This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com It's Swindon Town. Well, it turns out journalists do have holidays during the football season, so no Joe this week, and therefore no conventional, usual episode of The Presser. There was a press conference, uh, but there was no Joe audio to use. So instead, we're doing something a little bit different. We've we've dipped into this sort of uh, pod before, but I'm joined for this particular episode with one Lee Rooney of the Brunton Bugle podcast, a Carlisle fan. Hello, Lee. Hello, Rich. Uh, pleased to be on the show. <laughs> Bless you <laughs> for being on. Yeah, forgive us both. We've got sore throats, haven't we? And uh, mm. with these colds, we're going to end up sounding a little bit like Bob Fleming, if you remember that 
fast show sketch from back in the day, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle for me for a week or two, so uh, hopefully it'll clear soon, but yeah. Yeah, now Lee, you've been on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but that was a couple of years ago, so if you don't mind starting with a little introduction of yourself and your pod, and how long you've been supporting Carlisle for. Yeah, so uh, I am the main host on the Brunson Bugle Kylo podcast, which we started, um, well, we actually... Me and a former mate, we, we used to run a kind out forum, which is now sadly defunct. We shut it down this season because the numbers were just dropping off too much on it. It was not really worth the money we were having to put in to keep it running. But yeah, going back about six, seven years, we tried to do a podcast where we were sort of recording stuff on a match day. And it was such a pain to put together that we sacked it off after about five or six episodes. And it just sort of lay dormant. And then obviously COVID happened. Lockdown happened. You weren't able to go to the game. Well, games were basically cancelled weren't they essentially so we were trying to find something to fill our time and keep ourselves occupied about all things Cali United so why don't we set up a podcast set that up and I think 146 or so episodes later now three years later we, we do a preview for pretty much every game we can I think we've already missed maybe two or three games over the last three seasons and yeah it's been very eventful in terms of my supporting Cali United um I've been a Cali United fan since December 1994 so trying to work this out on my head that'll be Coming up 19 years later, yeah, in fact, yeah, around about 18 and a half years, sorry, 18, 28 and a half years, my maths is terrible, because um, I all remember my first game with Cali United, it was when Michael Knighton was owner, and um, we were playing Berry on, kids won't believe this today, but we played Berry at home on the 27th of December, having played Hartlepool 24 hours earlier away on Boxing Day, and that's only 28 years ago, we were playing two games in two days. Yeah, and the Premier League managers complain these days about schedules and stuff like that. But yeah, I always remember that game because we were first in the table. They were second in the third division. There was 12,000 fans there, another couple of thousand locked outside. And we beat them 3-0. And I was hooked from that moment on. It's been misery ever since, really, hasn't it? That's the problem. But there you go. So yeah, I've been, been following Cali United 28 years. I, I work for them for a couple of years in the media team as well. Uh, living in Liverpool these days, so it is a little bit of a schlep up the motorway for me, but not not too. I mean, this is the thing. Everyone thinks Carlisle's far away and difficult to get to. Actually, it's one of the easier ones to get to in the league when you think about it, because you literally just straight up the motorway, turn off and you're there. Pretty much, I know. I know. Make it sound very easy there, but it's not like a, you know, like a, a Plymouth Fire girl where you've got to go at the end of the A road as well at the end and stuff like that. I think I always think it's a lot easier to get to than people ever give it credit for. But well, there you go. yes, tell that to the sports journalists that hmm. every single year get on a bus at Carlisle or Plymouth and yeah, do the whole exactly. trip, and tell them it's easy. Uh, nope, uh, they they do it every single year, don't they? Like it's a shock to us all distance (laughs) Uh, we talk about this all the time and including in uh, the podcast that I recorded for you uh, this week and I imagine we're going to do this every single time you're on but this is your opportunity as always to thank one Harry McCurdy Yes, I've got. I've got to thank uh, the good man Harry McCurdy. I can't believe I said those words. <laughs> yeah, Harry McCurdy for his uh, actions last season um, and that three 0 win where you you tore us apart that day. We we were equal amounts bad to the amounts that you were good that day. That it was just how it was only three 0 I don't know. It's one of the most toxic atmospheres I've ever been in at a football game. I remember afterwards, I was actually I had to drive to that one thing because I think again the, the trains might have been off and. I was driving back and I pulled into Southwaite Services, which is literally only about 10 miles south of Carlisle, because Radio Cumbria wanted to speak to me. I was one of the fans for and panellists they get on occasionally to talk about the games. 
and I pulled up, and I, remember, I was practically shaking speaking to them on the radio, saying, this, like, we're going down with a whimper, and it's because of, and I can't even say his name, our director of football at the time, but he, his brother was Dean Holsworth, so that's all you need to know, his twin brother, I should say. Um, it's all his fault, because he was basically running into the ground with his mate, Keith Millen. And I was like, they need to do something. If they don't make a change, they've, they've got to do something, or, or we're going down. As it happens, three days later, they sacked Millen and the other fella, and literally an hour after that, announced that Paul Simpson was returning, and he was literally the only person they could have appointed that situation where the fans would have gone, yeah, we're happy with that. And and it gave us that belief, and it, it seems mental now because we were second bottom, we were, you know, fought, you know, sinking without a trace. And what he did with exactly the same squad he had there is nothing short of remarkable, and what he's doing now is again incredible yeah we'll talk about paul simpson and his little revolution that he's having mm. in carlisle again in just a moment but just on that three nil from last season yeah. earlier during this campaign on a very windy and rainy tuesday evening in chippenham mm. i was at a wiltshire premier shield game chippenham oh, swindon wow. very much a fringe team from both sides actually and i was watching the game and the Chippenham forward was very familiar. And I was like, I know that guy and went to check the team sheet. But of course it was a trialist. So it didn't list. And then I was like, oh, oh in Windsor. So in Windsor. And I was like, man, because he was seen as a major prospect down these hmm. parts for a while. And many Swindon Town fans thought and wanted him on loan when he was at West Brom, but there he was in a Chippenham shirt and he's got his contract now, but he had a very quiet evening that night. But yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to wait. Did he actually play against you last season? I'm trying to wait. Is that, I'm, yeah, he, he started and went off at halftime. Yeah. Did he? Oh, you know what? That, that shell tells you all I need to know about him. Like, he made his debut against Port Vale, scored after about 10, 15 minutes and that put us 1-0 up and we were quite excited. We ended up losing that game 3-1. And looking at it here, he only of them played against Colchester in the following game, I think. And then the game against uh, Swindon, he disappeared over a trace pit, which after that, Simpson just didn't want anything to do with him. He, Simpson was very quick to make a judgment on the squad and pick out the players he thought were worth working with, which he got bang right in the end, it turns out. And and yeah, Windsor didn't... I think he featured on the bench once under Simpson, but never came on. So tells you what, probably what you need to know about him. And every single loan spell he had from West Brom... He just seemed to fail everywhere he went, really. He just, he'd start brightly and then suddenly disappear. Great ball out to the right-hand side for Swindon. Gets Hunt onto it. Edge of the area. Oh, good first touch. McCurdy into the roof of the net. You knew it'd score. He has scored. It was a great take on the edge of the area. He runs across and goes to the Carlisle fans. He really has goaded them. You have to expect it when you boo him all game long and even the other Swindon players are coming over now and giving it to the Carlisle fans. And this won't end brilliantly if they do that. Things being thrown down towards the pitch there. Quite unnecessary, that, from the Swindon players. So, yeah, Paul Simpson comes back and, well, he keeps you up, which is brilliant, huge. And then, new season, he's done such a great job. And he's had to turn things around. Mm. And from that game last February... Quite a few mm-hmm. have left. There's still a few lingering on, but that's part of the course these days, isn't it? Whether you're good or bad in League Two, you get a new team. But what has he done? What's he done that's turned things around so dramatically for Carlo? <sighs> that's a really good question. It's, it's one really hard to, to pin down what it is. 
he gets the club. And it sounds a really obvious and stupid thing to say, but he gets the club. He's a local lad. He's done it with us before. He's lucky. I don't want to say he's lucky, actually, because that, that's a bit unfair in him. He's in a, a good situation where the fans will back him, generally, whatever he does, because because of what he's done in the past. He's got credit in the bank. He he will deny that and he'll say, look, if I have bad results, you know, I, I'm, I'm out. Well, yeah, to an extent he's right, but he, he if he has three defeats in a row, we're not suddenly calling for his head and demanding he go. And like, we went three games recently where we lost 1-0 against uh, Harrogate, drew against Wimbledon and then got beat 4-0 at home by Mansfield. And no one was saying, oh, he, he's lost the plot. Everyone was quite calm. It was like, it's Simmer. He'll sort it out. What he's done is put together a good squad of, of characters, good characters in the squad. That's a real big thing. And he had, he had a big thing for this first time around. You want good people in there. You want winners, but you want people who are a squad that gets on. And and you see that the, the videos that the club put out, all the players seem to be good friends. And I'm sure there are cliques in there, people who hang out with each other a bit closer and stuff, but they all seem to be really happy. I mean, as I mentioned to you when I was having a chat um, for our pod that, you know, we brought Joe Garner back in. And he slotted in seamlessly in January. And he seems happy. He he looks delighted when we're scoring goals. He's only scored one goal since he come back in his, what, seven or eight games. But he's not bothered. He's he's really buying into the atmosphere. And that's what Simmons managed to do. He's kept it very simple tactics-wise. He's carried on from what he did last season in terms of free at the back. And, you know, we're getting, you know, compact in midfield. We, we don't mess about with it at the back. We, we, we get rid when we have to. If we can play, we will. But we don't do it just for the sake of it which you see a lot of teams do at this level because it's seen as the fashionable thing. And the co-commentator on our radio, Chris Lumpton, always says this. He says, like, I don't get it. Why teams are doing this at this level? Yeah, you can do it occasionally, but why have it is your, your sole philosophy. Crawley were trying that against us the other week. And we just kept pressing them. And that's the reason why we went in 4-0 at half time because they kept doing it. He's kept it very simple in terms of that. He's got good characters in there. He's... He's, he's galvanised the fan base as well. He's really got them behind him. And, you know, when, when he talks, people listen and... Interestingly, I spoke to the guys from the DN35 Grimsby podcast the other day and I asked them a similar question about, yeah, and I asked them a good similar question about Paul Hurst, you know, you know, is he still the right man? You know, is he still popular? He's like, yeah, he's popular. And he said, look, the thing I always think about Paul Hurst is when I hear him do a post-match interview, my first thought is he's been to the same game as me. I, I, I get it. I really get it. So I was like, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, Paul Simpson, when he talks, we, we think, yeah, he talks sense. We heard a lot of rot from Chris Beach in his sort of final months. Keith Millen, the nonsense he spoke as well in his few months in charge. Whereas Paul Simpson just keeps it simple. If we play bad, he'll say we play bad. If we play good, he'll say we play good. But he won't go over the top. He won't say it was an out, you know, best performance I've ever seen. He'll, he'll be very calm and collected. But if we get, I mean, we've got beat 4-0 by Mansfield the other week. He wasn't over the top in his analysis. He wasn't saying like, this is a disaster, they, they were a disgrace, whatever. He was just like, we didn't do things right today, but we'll work on it in training. We'll get ourselves back and we'll we'll be all right. And as it was, we were. You know, we, we've got a result in the next game and now we've gotten, what, three wins in a row since then. So what's he got right? It's just everything pretty much in a weird way. But it, 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 he's there's a feeling that he wants to be here long-term as well. He signed a three-year contract, which was a big thing as well. Cause we, I can't remember the last manager we had on a three-year deal. And because of that, there's a lot of long-term planning in there. And I think players buy into that as well, thinking, right, he's going to be here the long-term. He's a local lad. He's well-liked. He's got the respect of the board, the respect of the fans. Yeah, this is a good place to be. And that's helped with the recruitment. The other thing, actually, as well, I should say before I finish up on this question, he brought Greg Abbott back, who was our manager, you might remember, um, for about four or five years. He brought him back to be head of recruitment. 
and Greg. One thing, he always divided Carlisle fans, you know, even though he brought some of our best years for a long time when he was in charge. He always divided fans in terms of whether he's a good manager or not. But one thing most fans would agree on is he had an eye for a player. He was very good in terms of recruitment, especially with loan players. And that's shown. He's, he's really made a difference in terms of the players we brought in. Because if you look in previous seasons, what he who shall not be named was doing, it's it's night and day, basically. He's so much better than him. Yeah. So your manager appointed the head of recruitment. Is that right? Yes, basically, which is, which is which is interesting, yeah, because previously, obviously, we had our director of football being the one in charge, and Simo basically wanted it done properly when he came back. He wanted them if if they were going to be let go, he's like, you do that before you appoint me. He he claims he he never demanded that Holdsworth be sacked. I said his name there. I managed to avoid it all thing, but um, he claimed I never asked for him to be sacked or whatever. But there's a kind of feeling like he was told, look, if I'm coming in, I want to be the one in charge. I wanted to be as a manager not hedge coach. And that's made a big difference as well. It's very old school and old fashioned in that sense, but it's working. So you can't complain. Very interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, in terms of managers talking about games and it reflecting on what you have witnessed, I think we're seeing that this season post Scott Lindsay in the sense that Jody Morris is a lot more like what Richie Wellens was. He's very much matter of fact and he he won't hesitate to criticize. He did that very early into his tenure. He criticized the fans. And I think a lot of fans respond to that quite well. Um, In our case, there were sections of the fan base that were booing four, five, six minutes into a home game that we won three nil. And uh, Jody Morris highlighted that after the game so yeah really interesting it's a bit cliched i suppose but i'm looking at the carlisle squad and Hmm. you know when people say successful football teams are built on a good spine in many ways i think you've got that because you've got tomash holy in goal and he's decent i think he's kept 14 clean sheets this season. Then you've got Paul Huntington as a been there, done that. You've got Owen Moxon, and we're yeah. big fans of his on this podcast. And then you've got Joel Garner or Christian Dennis up front, who himself has scored lots of goals. I can't believe we have to talk about Joe Garner and Paul Huntington on this podcast. Both <laughs> played for Preston on that bleak <laughs> <laughs> summer's day in 2015 when we lost 4-0 to Preston at Wembley. Garner, I think, played the whole game and Huntington actually scored a goal. Oh, I'm going to get flashbacks on Saturday, no doubt. But yeah, good players. Is it a bit too simplistic or have you got stars across the board or, or, or is that spine very much a key component of your success? No, the, the, the spine point is a really good one. It, it, it does really help. You have got that. I mean, Tomash is one who's divided fans. A lot of fans a few weeks ago were calling for him to be dropped and and Mick Kelly, our backup keeper, would be brought in. Despite the fact that Mick's only really played in the Peter Trophy, he's not played in any league or cup games at all. So I, I think sometimes I think fans look at him and think he's six foot nine, he should claim every single cross. It's not as simple as that. It never is as simple as that. If you can put a decent cross in, no matter what height, it can be tough for a keeper to come for if it's put in with pace. The amount of teams who've come down and just loft balls into the box, and he's like, thank you very much, I'll claim that, is astonishing. 
and his kicking probably could do a bit of work. But he he definitely has given us this sort of a, a base to work from at the back. Huntington uh, is actually a local lad. He's from Carlisle originally. Um, he's basically coming back to finish his career with us, essentially. He's just um, a few weeks ago triggered another year on his contract. Um, apparently, if he makes another certain number of paintings next season, he'll trigger another year on top of that as well. So the feeling is, if, if he keeps playing as he is, I mean, the one thing about Hunting that you'd think is he probably should have got a League One club in the summer because he's, he's still that good of quality. If we go up to League One, it's not like you're thinking, right, he's not up to it anymore. His legs aren't up to it. Let's get him. We'll have to let him go. He could still do a League One level, definitely. He's got that unbelievable ability, like a ball comes over the top, that a good defender always has, of being able to just give the attacker in front of him that little nudge. Not enough that you're going to get done for a free kick, but give them that little nudge and make sure you win that. He dominates in terms of aerial chances. It's going to be... It's interesting because he might miss this weekend's game. He came off in the second half against... Um, who did we play the weekend? I can't even remember who it was now. Uh, it was Colchester. No. Well, Grimsby, sorry, yes, that's it. Was we played Colchester the week? Um, he came off in the second half of that game with a sort of slight groin injury. I think he told the bench he was starting to feel it, hence why he came off. So whether he plays or not, I don't know. But him against Austin is going to be a real fascinating uh, contest, I think, because they, they are, t- you know, two wily old um, operators now, aren't they? So how they'll get on, I don't know. But thing is, you've got players who can drop into there if he's injured as well. Corey Whelan's had a great season for us in terms of coming in and doing a job when he has to. You know, and a lot of our fans, including us on the pod, probably would have just let him go last summer or, you know, give him a chance to leave. He, he was under contract, but, you know, that, that that's an interesting one. Um, we'll talk, I'll talk about Owen Moxon in a minute on his own because he, I, I could talk for hours about how good he's been for us. But yeah, up front, I mean, we've been leaving the top scorer of League Two on the bench for the last three or four games. Because Joe Garner's made such a difference as a talisman. He will, for a lad who's what, 5 foot 11 maybe, just about 6 foot, he wins so much in the air. He's so good at timing his, his things. He likes to leave a sly elbow in and stuff like that. Watch out for that. He's he's pretty much maimed someone in every single home game we played since he come back in some way or, or, or other. Um, but yeah, he, he, he really loves playing for the club as well. He seems to be really buzzing about it. He, he turned down a very good offer from a club in India to come back to us. And that was only a short-term deal, India, so he could have come back and got another deal with someone else here anyway. And I do understand that Bradford made him an offer as well that was very good, but he, he would have rather have come back to Carlisle, basically, to have a chance to actually win promotion this time because he missed out last time, sadly, he got an injury towards the end of his last season, well, last permanent season with us. So, yeah, that, that's a good spine in terms of that. Owen Moxon, midfield, I've got to talk about him for a bit because bear in mind, we signed him from Annan Athletic in the summer. He was working as a UPS driver, until, what, June, July, when he obviously came to us. To then basically be arguably the best player in League 2 this season. I mean, based on who scored.com stats, he is, I think, just in front of Carl Piaggiani at Stevenage. And he's been so, so good in games. If, if he gets a grip of the game on Saturday, you probably haven't got much hope because he'll dictate it, he'll he'll move the play. He loves little Cruyff turns on the ball and, and little, um, you know, the Maradona pirouette on the ball. He did one against Rochdale where he sent, um, don't you know if you remember, uh, Diagaraga, he used to be at Brentford a few years back. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, well, he, he sent he sent him for a hot dog, basically. He, he was he, he left him for dead with by doing that. He's been brilliant. Like, for a player to come in and be that impressed, we were amazed that no clubs came in in January. Maybe they didn't. We just knocked them back. But he'll be gone in the summer. And we all accept that. Even if we go up, he's probably going to be at a championship club next season. At the very least, he's that good. So him, yeah, that's spine really helped. But there's other players around him. Callum Guy, 
he's having probably his best season for us as well. And he was captain last season. Had the captaincy taken off him in the summer, it's actually had such a positive effect on him. He feels like a weight was taken off his shoulders. It really has made a difference in terms of how he plays. Uh, let me try to think of us. I mean, Jack Armour. He's played every single, pretty much every single minute of this season. I think he's only missed two minutes in total. He's only 21, playing left wing back, and he, he's been amazing how good he's been. I don't want to keep going through this squad and mention every single player, but I, I will mention, give a special mention to John Mellish, though, who might be the world's first box-to-box defender. Um, he plays on the left side of the back three, of uh, the centre-backs. When I say he plays on the left side of the back three centre-backs, he'll play where he wants, basically. He steps up into midfield, he wins the ball, he charges down the left flank. You know, I remember a few years ago, everyone banged on about Chris Wilder's overlapping centre-backs for um, Sheffield United. Well, he basically does that, but he's well, he's mid-twenties, he's quite pacey, he's big, strong, full of energy. He's even worked on refining his passing and his control and things like that, because that's one issue he had previously. He wasn't particularly... He, he's controlled, he'd let the ball get away from him, things like that, but he's improved so much under Simone. There's a strong argument he's probably our player of the season. He's been that good, and in the couple of games he's missed, we've really struggled because we haven't had that outlet of him bombing down the left, supporting Amari Patrick and Jack Armour and, and Jordan Gibson down the down the wing. So he'll be one to watch out. It's funny, you, you mentioned in, on our pod that I think it's uh, Romeo Hutton being your big threat down the right. Well, he'll probably have a fair bit of defending to do against us because we, we do focus a lot of our play down the left. Yeah, well, we we hope Hutton gets a little bit of joy because <laughs> when he gets freedom we score goals because if he's able to cross the ball you know he, he'll get it into the box and and we'll get chances and not many others do that but some teams do double up on him and it's impossible and then we can look a little bit lost so we are expecting the same on that front are you expecting many team changes from the wins against Crawley or Grimsby or do you think it'll be very much the same um i suspect we might see a change from the grooms one um so joel senior missed out starting that game he scored his first goal for us after 12 months out with an acl he literally signed for us last january played four games and then tore his acl at, at salford on i mean if you've ever been to salford what a disgrace that pitch is how that's allowed in the league well we, we had three players pull up in the first half in that game last february uh, how that was allowed to be a football league pitch and still allowed to be a football pitch in that state i don't know Considering the money they've got as a club, they should be putting a bit of money into the pitch, but that's another run in it altogether anyway. But he scored his first goal against Crawley, but then promptly picked up a sickness bug in midweek. So uh, Jordan Gibson came in and played out of position as a winger. He played at wing back for that game. Um, he was, I think, I think he's the fifth different player to play at wing right wing back for us this season. And bear in mind, Jack Arm is the only player to play left wing back for us this season. Shows you the difference in terms of issues we've had on the right side compared to the left. Um, I expect Joel will come back in for this one if he's recovered from his sickness bug but he came on as a sub against Grimsby for the last 10 minutes so I suspect he should be okay so I think he'll probably come back in Jordan despite the fact that he scored against um, Grimsby and had a good game will probably drop to the bench and like you said it'll probably be the same 11 I think Alfie McCalmont who's coming on loan from Leeds has done really well he's been really impressive the last four or five games so he'll probably start again and the only question is whether we change it up front he seems to have settled at the moment. We're sticking with Patrick and Garner. But as a backup, we've got 
Christian Dennis has mentioned before, and John Kamali Gordon is on loan from Palace, who's looked really good when he's played. So we're in a bit of an enviable position there in that we've got basically two first-choice strike forces that we can alternate when we need to. So other than that, yeah, I, I would expect the only change you'll see is Gibson dropping out first senior, as long as there's been over-injuries picked up during the week. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd expect to be the change. When I saw the young player Gordon I was mm. like where have I heard this name before and then I remembered that he scored two goals against us for Crystal Palace under 21s in the yeah. Papa John's trophy early in the season and I was like oh I remember mm. him oh that wasn't a good evening not that I was there but I watched it on iFollow and it was but you have to be feeling confident going into this game I'm not having you come in on here and just going well what will be will be and we'll be happy with the draw. You're kicking on, you're looking for promotion. You're one of the few teams in recent weeks with better form than Swindon. You've won all three of your last three games where Swindon have won two and drawn one. Although it must be said that Crawley were one of those teams. So uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, oh, I wish we could play Crawley roundabout now. I really do. What are your expectations for the weekend? I, I, I'm on the fence with this one. I, I, for me, with the former in, yes, we should be going for the win. But I, I think you, I find you guys a really hard team to to work out and predict, and that's why I'm kind of thinking: would I be happy with a point? Yeah, I probably would, because we if we got a point from that one, we then go into our game the following weekend, which is against Stevenage at home which is a massive game when you look at it now. So if we got a point from this one, that'd be going into it four games unbeaten and Stevenage in a really sticky run of form. I mean, in terms of the last six games form table, I think they're right down near the bottom, aren't they, or something? I think <laughs> I can't remember exactly where, but yeah, 22nd in the last six games form table. If we can keep our good form up and go start with against them, as, as long as we don't lose, that's the, if we lose, then you start thinking, all right, they might gain a bit more ground. <sighs> take a point I think I probably would take a point at the moment but it, it depends if the Cal United that played against Crawley turns up then yeah I think we can get the win but it's a hard one to judge possession here's Reed trying to drive forward attempts to chip across into the box headed away by Ellis won't reach McCurdy who goes down very flamboyantly there you'd have to say under the challenge of Moxon but Swindon are pressing trying to win the Carlisle ball outside the box and Wakeling has done so and put Swindon into the lead with their first goal season after 291 minutes Wakeling's first goal in professional football yeah before we go I, I do like to talk about previous games against Carlisle and and associated names I like to dip in the past and you said there that your first game was in 94 and it's only shortly after that that my real awareness of Carlisle begins it, it started in 1995 and we had this player called Eddie Murray and Eddie was kind of a jack of all trades player he played all over the park and we had a bit of a strike force issue with injuries to Peter Fawn and Wayne Allison I think so he started up front alongside Steve Finney and you know, when you're younger, you read the program and you always see these these faces smiling at you and you never see them on the pitch because they're the youth or the or the reserve players. And Eddie 
Murray had played for Swindon for like five seasons. This was his fifth season as a pro, I'm pretty sure. And he and he played up front and he scored an absolute screamer. His only goal for Swindon away at Carlisle. Um, and it was something else. And my main memory from that game is that Carlisle w- went straight up the other end and then had a goal disallowed, apparently for handball, but... I will never know how he saw it. It looked it looked fine for me, but the camera angles that if you were to look it up on YouTube, the camera angles are all are all wrong and you don't really see it. But the Swindon defence, their hands are up. So, so but no, um, it, it, it was certainly something that that looked like a perfectly okay goal. And then, of course, you know we talked about Charlie Austin. And his first, I think it was his first start was at Carlisle. And we talked about it on, on your pod this week. And yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 1-0. And then we, we, we won the second game 2-0 with, with Billy Painter scoring. And bless you, Carlisle did everything they could to get that game on because of flooding and we stole the points. Uh it, it's it's something that I've been mocked for more than one occasion um, is the trip to Carlisle from Newcastle, which is very picturesque. But yeah, one of my core memories of, of supporting Swindon is going to Carlisle from Newcastle on a very cold winter's evening and watching Swindon lose 3-0. Uh, now famous long throw specialist in non-league Ben Tozer playing his only or starting his only game for Swindon. I think he had a, another one as a sub and then getting sent off quite early on and then us losing to a Joe Anyunsa brace he used to play for Bristol City and Joe Bloody Garner scored the other one. <laughs> That's my memories bleak as they are. Um, what are your historic memories of watching Carlisle play against Swindon? Yeah, I just, I just while you were talking, I thought I'll have a look up and then see some of the uh, the, the players that played in that game, the the three nil one. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, it was Onions who got a double and Joe Garner scored. There, funny enough, you in your team, you had a couple of uh, ex Carlo or future Carlo players. In fact, yeah, three future Carlo players in your eleven, which was Billy Painter, we mentioned before, John Paul McGovern. He was a fantastic player for us. What a quality on the play on the ball, and someone who featured in a podcast we did about one game wonders, Miguel Cominguez who played 45 minutes for us on loan from Cardiff, and he was appallingly bad. Got hauled off at half-time. Mad, that. Yeah, he was player of the season for us. Um, he came out of nowhere. I think it was Paul Sturrock that signed him. And he was pretty decent playing at right-back, I think it was. And then he went off to Cardiff, but he wasn't my player of the season. That was Craig Easton, who I thought was much better. But the masses... They went for Miguel, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name properly, but I'm pretty sure it's not Kaminguez. Yeah, because that was the time when I was working at the club. I remember we were quite excited about getting him because I thought oh, he was really good at Swindon a few years back and genuinely played that one game. And then a week later, he was gone. No, no side of him, basically. I don't think he fit, barely featured after that. Um, other ones I remember, I'm trying to look at. The, one of the ones I came down and covered when I was working at the club um, was in, I think it was, Possibly my only visit to Swindon. In fact, it was my set, my first visit. I think I went a, a couple of seasons later. 
we won one nil, and it was thanks to a James Barrett goal, and it was from about thirty yards out. He smashed it into the top corner. I seem to remember. I've seen that goal somewhere on YouTube since, but it was an unbelievable strike. And James Berry's one of those players who really divides Carl. Well, saying divides, I think quite a lot of Carl fans didn't like. They thought he was a very average player, you know, just passed it about a few times nicely and wasn't really that good. He's probably the only Carl midfielder who scored 10 goals a season in a season, other than Jamie Devitt did it a few seasons ago as well, two seasons in a row. But he, and yeah, he always sticks in my mind that was a brilliant goal he scored that day. Beyond that, it, it's weird because you guys have generally been quite a bit ahead of us in my times following Carlo uh, from memory. And the, the seasons round about the, you know, 95, 96, I didn't really go to many of the games in the um, in the season after. So I, it, it's it's weird. I don't sort of recall a lot of those ones. So the 3-0 one definitely stands out. In fact, I'm looking here. We've only won about six of the last 20 or something like that. I, mean, we don't, I think I'm looking at the other ones I've, maybe went to yeah, I'm trying to work out based on where I've been living and stuff like that um I think I might have gone possibly to the 3-1 defeat in November 2013 that seems to ring a bell um Sean O'Hanlon scored for us that day yeah looking at it I've yeah but it's weird how many connections they have between the clubs considering you know we're not that close together you think there wouldn't be that many um and obviously the Probably the most famous connection between the two clubs would be Mr. Jimmy Glass, wouldn't it? So, uh, Oh, of course, yeah. It's yeah. always nice that Swindon get a mention at the end of April, early May, every season when <laughs> the uh, when the mainstream big hitters of uh, sports media try and whip up some sort of uh, <laughs> fairy tale uh, akin to that wonderful moment for Jimmy Glass. He never really had that connection with Swindon. It wasn't a good move for him, but that was a magnificent moment that that's defied him. I'd love I'd love to have him on the podcast and have a chat. He's a he's a great character, Jimmy. He still comes up to the club occasionally stuff. He's one of the bars at the grounds now named after him really and so many big names from Swindon Town's history and is associated with Carlisle United. Of course Stan Harland, we signed him from Carlisle. He uh yeah. He would captain Swindon to the 1969 League Cup final. Uh, J.P. McGovern, you've mentioned there. Lee Peacock, he still works at Swindon. Yeah, Jock Peacock, as he was called up at Carlisle. Yeah. And Steve Finney, of course. Steve Finney, yeah. who is adored by a certain age group of Swindon fans because of that wonderful start to the 1995-96 season that he had. And he was a real mm. icon. And, of course, you had Jerry Yates at Carlisle, too. Yeah, J- Jerry was a frustrating one because we had him on a half-season loan from Rotherham. And the aforementioned Mr. Holdsworth made it very clear to, at some sort of fans' forum or fans' meeting thing that him, Ashley Ellison, and Jack Salby would all definitely be staying for the rest of the season. We'd have them all tied down, no worries. It's all sorted. All three of them left. Uh, so that tells you all you need to know, really, about how much full of shit he was, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, we always fall for that line, yeah. don't we? That we've got a player on loan until the end of the season and then they play well and suddenly just before January uh, arrives, we're, we're told bashfully by the club that in fact there is a, a a recall clause and they've played brilliant since August so we know what's going to happen and then we hope they turn up later in January after being recalled but the reality is they're going up a level and it's it's quite galling and who can forget also that we stole Vincent Pericard from you yeah 
that was a frustrating one because he didn't have the best of times for you guys, did he really? And, and it, it came to us at a time when we were desperate for a target man and he was outstanding. Like he, he couldn't run to save his life. He was, you know, the size of him by then, he was not a mover, but he was an immovable object in the, in the best possible way. He was just an absolute tank and teams were terrified of him for that reason. He scored and unbelievable goal for us against Norwich in the FA Cup. It was a game that you might remember back in the day, the FA used to broadcast um, some some of the FA Cup ties live on their website as part of the thing. In our game against Norwich in, I think, the second round, um, we actually got through to play Everton in the third round, funny enough, um, was broadcast live, but it was foggy. And I was working at the club in and I could, in the press box, could barely see the goals. But he scored a scorpion kick goal, the ball was behind him, and he basically flicked it into the top corner with his with his heel. Unbelievable goal it was. And there's a kind of feeling if we could keep him to the rest of the season, we might sneak into the playoffs. Typical Carlisle ends up leaving in January and yeah. And the, the the rest is history for both clubs, I think, because he didn't really work out for you guys, did he? So no. And how can we list these names without mentioning the nicest man in football as everyone says mr john gorman who is an yes. absolute legend at Carlow, and of course managed swindon town in the premier league the only person to do so yeah he's one of those ones who yeah, he was part of the 74 75 team that got to the first division and still a hugely popular character with with the older kind of fans who remember him and Anyone who speaks of him, you know, says that he's just generally one of the nicest possible people you could meet. I remember we he was manager of Wickham um, back in 05-06 when we won uh, promotion under Paul Simpson last time. And he every time in the couple of games we played against them, he was nothing but respectful for the club and the way he spoke. And you kind of thought, yeah, that's probably why he didn't end up being a manager full-time because he was just... I don't want to say he was too nice because that's probably the wrong way of putting it, but, you know, I, I feel like football maybe didn't treat him right in that sense and you know that he, he should have been someone who should have been a really good manager but never really got those chances well never mind lee you have done me a massive favor by agreeing to do this episode so a huge thank you and no at all. i'd wish you good luck for the weekend but i really, <laughs> really want swindon to win but i hope the rest of the season treats you splendidly thank you very much thanks very much and uh, yeah i'm looking forward to my trip down this weekend The Lowe's Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of The Presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble? Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.